Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins Surah Al-Baqarah with four ayat describing the believers. Following that, you have two ayat describing the disbelievers, and then 13 ayat describing the munafiqeen, the hypocrites. It's a pretty large distinction from four to two, and then 13. It begs the question, why? Why so much description about nifaq, about hypocrisy? Well, it's because in order to fight nifaq, you have to talk about it a lot. This is actually very similar to the ayah in which Allah Ta'ala commands His Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam بعد أعوذ بالله من يا أيها النبي جاهد الكفار والمنافقين Allah says, O Prophet, fight against the disbelievers and against the hypocrites. And when you read this, you wonder to yourself, wait a second, how is the Prophet Sallallahu supposed to fight? Well, we know how he fights against the disbelievers. When he sees an army coming, you fight against them. Seems pretty straightforward. But how would you fight against the munafiq when the Prophet Sallallahu was not allowed to expose who the hypocrites were? Right? If you can't expose them, if Allah, obviously Allah Ta'ala could have sent revelation and said, look, these are their names, these are the hypocrites, just expose them, m- mention them by name, and then you could deal with them. But Allah said, and Allah Ta'ala commanded that you do not point at somebody and say, I know you're a munafiq, you do not expose them. So how then can we implement this ayah that says, O Prophet, fight against the kuffar, that we understand. As for the munafiqeen, how? I can't even determine who they are. And so again, we learn this lesson, the same lesson that's being taught in Baqarah, which is what? That the, muf- the Mufassirin, the scholars of Tafsir, they say, Jahid al-Kufar ya'ni bil-Sayf, wal-Munafiqeen ya'ni bil-Hujjah. As in, fight against the disbelievers, how? Warfare. Cl- clear, straightforward. Why? They attack you, you fight back, it's very clear. How do you fight against the hypocrites? By evidence, bil-Hujjah, by exposing. So it's not the question of talking about each individual person by name, saying you're like this or you're like that. No. You don't expose the hypocrites that way. Rather, you just talk about hypocrisy as a concept. You expose the qualities. And that's going to force those who have hypocrisy in their hearts to pick a side. Either they're going to become more and more exposed as you describe more and more, and they'll say, you know what, I can't be around those people. Because everybody sees, everybody knows the qualities, and I have them. And so they'll get away. It's like a purifying process. Or they'll they'll improve themselves. And they'll say, you know what? As I describe and learn about these qualities, I realize I have them, and I need to improve myself more and more and more. So the way you fight against nifaq is by simply exposing nifaq, and this is what is being indirectly described both in Baqarah and Surah Tahrim. So let's do exactly just that, inshallah ta'ala. How does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describe the hypocrites? There are many, many ayat in many different surah of the Qur'an. Let's focus on the first method, the first example that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives in the whole Qur'an, which is what? بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم مثلهم كَمَثَلِ الَّذِي إِسْتَوْقَدَ نَارًا فَلَمَّا أَضَاءَتْ مَا حَوْلَهُ ذَهَبَ اللَّهُ بِنُورِهِمْ وَتَرَكَهُمْ فِي ظُلُمَاتٍ لَا يُبْصِرُونَ Allah Ta'ala strikes forth an example and says their example is like the one who he kindled a fire. Then when it illuminates what is around him, Allah took away their light and left them in darkness so they could not see. This is the very first example of the Qur'an. And of course we have to know that Allah Ta'ala gives an, an example so that you can understand it from multiple ways. Because if there's one interpretation, then you just might as well say, okay, this is what it means. But when you give an example, you can think about it, all the different uh, ways that it can be understood, seeing it from different angles, and then extract from so few words, so many different meanings. So today, I just want to focus on two ways of understanding this ayah. The first interpretation is that there is a person who wants to discover the truth about a certain matter. He's curious about something. 
But the problem is that when he does his research and when he gets his answer, it's an answer he doesn't like. And so therefore, he says, what? Never mind. I don't need to know the answer. I'm not that interested. I was just a little bit curious anyway, so forget about it. Unfortunately, this attitude of ignorance is bliss, this is the quality of nifaq. This attitude of either I get the answer I want or I never ask the question to begin with. This is a very evil attitude. How often do we find that a non-Muslim will be curious about what is the right religion? Let me research this religion, that religion, let me read about them. And as they slowly but surely come to the conclusion that Islam is making more and more sense, they say, you know what, never mind, I was never that interested in religion to begin with. Because they don't want to be now stuck to the truth, which is what? Going to tell them, you have to pray, you have to fast, and so on and so forth. So they, as they get closer to the truth, they say, you know what, I don't like the light anymore, I'd rather be in the dark. This was similar to the example at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, where the believers, when they would be attacked by the disbelievers, they'd say, Ya, ya Rasulullah, we need some verses, we need some ayat, some clarification, how do we deal with them? And Allah Ta'ala said, Those who believe say, why doesn't a, a, a surah reveal to us so we can know exactly how to deal with these disbelievers? وَإِذَا أُنزِلَتْ سُورَةٌ مُحْكَمَةٌ وَذُكِرَ فِيهَا الْقِتَالِ رَأَيْتَ الَّذِينَ فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ مَرَضٌ يَنْظُرُونَ إِلَيْكَ النَّظَرَ الْمَغْشِيَ عَلَيْهِ مِنَ الْمَوْتِ Allah Ta'ala says, however, when a surah, a clear, precise surah is revealed to them that mentions fighting, you will see those who have a sickness in their heart, those who have nifaq in their heart, you will see them look at you like somebody who has a look of death on their face. You know when somebody goes completely white? When somebody just, they like, the, you know, as they say, like I saw a ghost? Subhanallah, what is the situation? We want answers. What should we do with this situation? Okay, you have to go fight. Go to war. That's the answer. You want to know the truth? Allah reveals the truth. Go to, go to war. Uh, well, you know, maybe, uh, maybe I didn't want the question. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't ask the question. You know what? Never mind. I, I, I'm not that curious anyhow. Because that's the truth. Now, something that perhaps is a little bit closer to home, more common with us, you'll find when a Muslim comes up to a scholar and says, is my job really haram? Yes, you should quit. Oh, uh, well, I mean, maybe there's just a difference of opinion, and you know, uh, fiqh is complicated anyway. Uh, you know, never mind. You know, forget that I asked. It's not important. See, this is the problem. When you want to know the answer, what are you doing? You're lighting the fire. The moment the things things lighten up and get bright around you, uh, I didn't. That's not what I wanted. I didn't. That's not the light that I wanted. You're not dedicated to truth. You're dedicated to your desires. This is the problem. So the first quality of nifaq is what? To only accept the answer that you wanted in any situation. However, there's another interpretation about this beautiful example. And it's very interesting if you pay attention to the way Allah Ta'ala changes between singular and plural. We have to pay attention to these details when we read the ayah. Allah says what? That the example of them, them, plural, mathaluhum, as in the people of nifaq, is like what? is like the example, the one who lit a fire. Wait a second, why did you go from plural to singular? The one who lit a fire. And then when it becomes bright, around him, singular, then Allah removes their light. And Allah leaves them in darkness, and they do not see. So you have to ask the question, wait a second, why was it that one person lit the fire, but they go in darkness? So, one interpretation of this ayah is that the people who are in the dark are the people in jahiliyyah. The Prophet ﷺ is sent to them as a messenger and he sees these people in the dark and we all know, anybody who's been camping knows that when you're in the dark, gathering dry wood and getting a fire ready is a very difficult thing. 
But one person dedicates himself, creates the spark, makes the light, and then that person has to go. The problem is it wasn't with them forever. Now what is your job? Do you have to make a fire which is hard? No, you have to maintain a fire, which is much easier. The fire is burning. All you have to do is what? Bring a few logs. Keep the fire going. But you were too lazy to do that. And so instead, what do you do? You let it burn out. A similar example is what? Let's say a group of friends are hanging out together in a basement late night just talking about nonsense, chit-chat, backbiting, etc. One guy joins the party and starts talking about something beautiful. By speaking about something beautiful, it warms up the room. It's heartwarming. Fire gives warmth, right? It's also enlightening. It gives light. Fire gives light. But then that person says, oh, it's getting late. I got to go. He gets up, he leaves, and then everybody else, five minutes, ten minutes go by, and then the subject changes back to nonsense. That person brought some light, but instead of keeping the fire going, what did you do? You let it burn itself out, and you go back to nonsense. And this person might think, oh, finally, that guy left. Now I can change the subject back to the darkness. No, actually, Allah says what? That is Allah that put them in the dark. It's as if this person's thinking, what? This person is saying to himself, I'm the one that changed the subject. Rather, Allah says, you're not turning away from me, I'm turning away from you. You're not changing the subject away from this deen. Rather, I'm the one who's removing my remembrance from this gathering, taking away this blessing. So what is the conclusion? The hypocrite will listen to an inspirational talk and will be motivated for a moment. But then, when the speech is over, the motivation quickly dies down. The hypocrite refuses to do anything that makes his faith self-generating. There's a nice quote I came across. It said, People pray for a cake, but when the Almighty gives them batter, eggs, oil, butter, a pan, and oven, and an oven, they get frustrated and leave the kitchen. Subhanallah, this is the example of the hypocrite. So point number two is what? The quality of nifaq is to make our faith the responsibility of others. My iman is your responsibility, imam. You raise my iman up. And if you don't, then it'll just die down. This could be happening on a communal level. This could be happening when a person says in the community, I wish we had a community that offered these services, that taught these classes, that had these sports, and that had this kind of community involvement with the greater city. And then somebody might respond to you and say, well, we have the masjid, we have the people, we have the money, we have the talent, and you have your idea. So do you want to make the cake? You got all the ingredients. Do you want to make the cake or not? No, I just like to complain. It makes me feel like I'm doing something. Alf mabruk, mashallah, great. This is the problem. That nifaq is what? Nifaq is to complain without working on a solution. This is the quality of nifaq. This could be happening as well. Every week. Every week, the imam could be giving a khutbah. And the khutbah, same thing, heartwarming, has an effect. It's enlightening, has an effect. The moment the khatib is done talking, what happens? You walk out those front doors and immediately the fire starts to die down. Business as usual. Back to normal. Back to darkness. May Allah Ta'ala protect us. Again, we have to do what? We have to remember that our faith is supposed to be self-generating. You don't leave it in the hands of others to kindle it when they do and then let it die when they are not around. Imam Ahmed, rahimahullah, records a hadith in this regard in which the Prophet says, Al-Qulubu Arba' that there are four types of hearts. Believer, disbeliever, and then two types of hypocrisy. Very interesting hadith. 
One of them is the heart that is polished and shiny like a radiant lamp. This is the heart of the believer. It shines forth and has a positive effect on others. One of them is sealed and knotted up, just like the disbeliever. Doesn't let the light in, shows no gratitude. So these two are clear. Then there are two types of hypocrites. Qalbun mankusun means what? A heart that is turned upside down. Qalbun musaffahun, and one that is wrapped. What is the difference between these two? They're both hypocrites. But the Prophet goes on, the hadith is lengthy, and it describes how the one that is upside down is the al-munafiq al-khalis, the pure hypocrite. As in the one who is like a spy, walks into the masjid, knows fully well he doesn't believe in Islam, but you know, hello fellow Muslims, I am a Muslim. You know, let's talk about jihad. You know, there's this, you know, can you speak into the microphone? These type of people that were very popular after 9-11. Um, maybe they're still popular. Maybe they just got better actors. I don't know. But anyway, uh, they were very transparent at the beginning. Maybe they got better. Allah alam. But the point is that these are just fake, fake Muslims. They're not real. There's the munafiq khalis. The heart is upside down. They know the truth that they reject it. However, then there's the second type of nifaq. This is the one that Allah Ta'ala describes. Fi qulubihim marad. They have a sickness in their heart. And then the Prophet describes in this method, This is the heart that has both faith and nifaq. And then the Prophet goes on and says that when you give it water, it's like the plant that will grow. It's like the shrub that will grow if it's given water. But it's also like the ulcer, that if it's given more blood and more pus, it'll also grow. So simply put, the qalbul munafiq, the heart of the hypocrite, is the heart that you put it in any environment and it'll just get further and further in that environment. You stick it around Muslims, okay, alhamdulillah, I'll pray, I'll read Quran because I'm around that environment, I'll get better. The moment you take that person and put him in the environment of disbelief, I will go down that road as well. Basically, this is a, work, a weak kind of Islam. This is fi qulubihim marad, they have a sickness in their heart. They don't have firm faith. They don't go against the tide. They are like driftwood. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes these hypocrites and says what? They are wavering between them, belonging neither to the believers, neither to the disbelievers. So what does this mean? The fourth quality of nifaq is to be two-faced, like driftwood, go with the tide, to be weak-willed, spineless, tepid, timid, watered-down, soft-served type of Islam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us, and we will continue in the second khutbah. وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم كثيرا بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاه والسلام على رسول الله Another quality of the munafiqeen in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes at the beginning of surah baqarah بعد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم واذا قيل لهم لا تفسدوا في الارض قالوا انما نحن مصلحون الا انهم هم المفسدون ولكن لا يشعرون Allah ta'ala says and when it is said to them don't cause corruption on the earth they say we are but reformers Unquestionably, it is they who are the corruptors, but they don't perceive it. This ayah is interesting. Alhamdulillah, last week, I gave a khutbah about islah, al-muslihin. Who are, what, what does it mean to be a reformer? Simply put, it is a person who does not just relegate his Islam to himself personally. He practices his deen and he says, I need the light of Islam to shine forth. I need to have a positive effect on the world around me. You're not just salih in and of your own self at your house and in the masjid. That's salih being righteous by yourself. Great, that's good. But you take it at the next step, muslih, a reformer. Now the munafiq is the one who says what? That yes, I'm a reformer too. 
And you can see why he's confused. Let me give, it, give you a simple analogy. If you have the believers over here practicing their deen properly, and you have the disbelievers over here, and they are practicing all kinds of shirk and kufr and so forth, the muslih is the one, the reformer is the one who says, let's get them and bring them over here. That way we can be united upon the truth. The munafiq says, you're right, I do want unity, but let's just compromise. Maybe both sides can come closer together. Maybe this side over here can slide over this way. Isn't that going to create unity? Yes, technically you're right. It will create unity. Compromising in your deen will create unity. نَحْنُ مُسْلِحُونَ We are just trying to create... In the, we're the only ones. Allah Ta'ala says what? إِنَّمَا نَحْنُ مُسْلِحُونَ We are the only ones that are doing islah. Because we are the only ones that are truly trying to create reform in Islam so that we can be united. All that sounds very good, but united upon what? United upon kufr? Wadalala, wattahut, shirk, united upon falsehood and deviance. So this is the issue. They are aiming at unity, but the problem is they want to unite upon evil and falsehood. They want us to compromise. As Allah Ta'ala says, They wish that you would soften your position so that they would soften too. Look, you come a little few steps this way, we'll come a few steps that way. Don't worry, we'll meet in the middle. You know? Isn't the middle good? Sounds good, right? Subhanallah. No. The reason they have this attitude is because the disbelievers are thinking, look, we can adjust our religion because it's a man-made religion. We're the ones who made it anyway, so don't worry, with the time, we can reform it. But the thing is, we as Muslims, we say, it's not ours. Unlike you guys, it's not man-made. It doesn't belong to me. I don't have the right to reform anything. This doesn't, it's not mine. This deen belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Either you can accept or you can reject, but you can't reform. There's no such thing. That's the concept of perfection. When something is perfect, you can't add, subtract, or alter anything without making it worse. Perfect is perfect. Don't touch it. Just leave it alone because it's perfect. So the fifth point is what? That nifaq is to add any title to Islam or to Muslim, like saying, I'm a reformist Muslim, a moderate Muslim, a modernist Muslim, and so on and so forth. The believer says, no. Allah Ta'ala gave us the name Muslim. Allah Ta'ala said, in the deen Allah, Islam. Islam is the only deen. That's the only title. He didn't add other epithets or other words to it. That's the title I wish to live by. That's the title I wish to die upon. No qualifying words necessary because a qualification implies that Muslim is somehow not good enough, not clear enough. It somehow falls short of the mark. You need to fix it a little by saying I'm a this Muslim or a that Muslim. And so I know most of us are probably thinking, subhanAllah, I have a lot of qualities of nifaq. <laughs> but that's actually, hopefully, a good feeling. And why do I say that? Because Ibn Abi Malika, who said what? أَدْرَكْتُ ثَلَاثِينَ مِنْ أَصْحَابِ النَّبِي صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وسلم كُلُّهُمْ يَخَافُ النِّفَاقِ عَلَى نَفْسِهِ He said, I have met 30, and I've gotten to know 30 of the Sahaba, the companions of the Prophet Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم, and all of them feared nifaq for themselves. They didn't say, I just fear nifaq for my community. They didn't just say, I fear nifaq around my friends. No, they said, I fear nifaq for myself. Every single one of them was afraid of nifaq. Why is that the case? Because as long as you fear it, then you will do something about it. And as long as you're doing something about it, that means you are in action, trying to work 
to improve your iman. And that means, inshallah ta'ala, that you are protecting yourself from nifaq. The only person who definitely falls into the nifaq and hypocrisy is the one who never fears it. Because he has no fear, therefore he takes no action. When he takes no action, then slowly but surely, eventually he will fall into it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. So let's remember this very beautiful and simple dua. Allahumma inna na'udhu bika min ash-shiqaqi wa nifaqi wa su'il akhlaq. So what does that mean? Allahumma means, oh Allah. Inna na'udhu bika. Indeed, we take refuge in you. Min ash-shiqaq. From what? Shiqaq is division. Ya Allah, we don't want to be divided. Wa nifaq and hypocrisy. Ya Allah, we don't want to have, we don't want to be divided on the outside. We don't want to have nifaq and being two-faced. On the inside, we're with them sometimes, we're with them sometimes, and we keep on playing between. No. Wasu'il akhlaq, and ya Allah, we don't want ugly and bad behavior. So please make this dua with me. Allahumma inna na'udhu bikamin ash-shiqaqi wa nifaqi wa su'il akhlaq. Please memorize this dua. Ya Allah, make us people who accept the truth, not just accept the answer that we want. Ya Allah, make, give us the strength to make our faith our responsibility and not make it. And, and to make our faith self-generating instead of delegating it to somebody else and making it somebody else's responsibility. Ya Allah, make us solution-oriented and not complaint-oriented. Ya Allah, make us firm upon the truth, not weak-willed, not easily swaying with the tide like driftwood. Ya Allah, make us of those who rectify our society with Islam and not trying to fix Islam with whatever is trendy today. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen.